Welcome back, Cracked fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. It is officially time to begin one of my favorite exercises we do here at CR, a tradition that began last season, but one we hope to carry into each and every college tennis season moving forward. That, of course, is an exercise we refer to as NCAA Press Row, where I attempt to speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches prior to the start of the NCAA Tournament round of 16. Now, each of these conversations you'll hear over the next few days will be relatively similar in format. I want to talk to each of these coaches about their NCAA opening weekends, what allowed them to advance to this NCAA Sweet 16. Then I want to recap the season, where things stand. I want to talk about each team's best win of the year, the match they perhaps would like to replay the most from the course of the season. We'll talk about the team MVP, the most improved players that have made the success possible for all of these teams this season. Then, of course, I got to pick the coaches' brains about some big picture topics. I want to talk about the Super Regional format going to the top eight seeds for this round of 16 versus the traditional all-sweet 16 matches are played at one location format. What do these coaches prefer? Still very early in the exercise of determining if the Super Regional is worthwhile, but always fun to hear the coaches' initial reactions. And then, of course, we'll try to preview all of these Sweet 16 matches. I will try to coax as many match calculi as I I can from each of these coaches. What is their pathway to four points? How do they project their team's success moving forward throughout the NCAA tournament? We'll talk about all of that and so much more. Again, have a jam-packed week of content prepared for all of you listeners as we get all of you ready for the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. Of course, you're going to be able to find each of these conversations both here on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed as well as on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, you will also hear the same intro outro on each of these podcasts. I do apologize for that fact. Just makes life a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner for both myself and super producer Daniel Westoff. But again, over the next five days, I will attempt to speak with each and every men's and women's head coach remaining in the 2022 Division I NCAA tournament. Of course, the reason we're able to do that here on the Cracked Interviews podcast is because of the support we get from all of you college tennis fans out there who have tuned in week in, week out. We are immensely grateful for that fact. Also, I have to give a huge shout out to our friends at Swing Vision, who, of course, are on the forefront of all artificial intelligence innovations happening within the tennis world. If you are a college tennis head coach listening to these podcasts, if you are a player, if you are someone with high-level tennis aspirations, download the Swing Vision app today. You'll have access to more data, more things to improve your tennis game than you ever had before, all within the palm of your hand in an app on your phone. So again, learn more about our friends at Swing Vision by clicking on the link in the description to this podcast. I promise all of you, it is the most efficient way to improve your game in the modern day. A huge thank you to our friends at Swing Vision. Use that promo code CRACK20 when you sign up. But again, appreciate all of their support for this show. With that said, again, press row coming up. Going to try and speak with each of the remaining 16 men's and women's head coaches before the start of the NCAA round of 16. With that in mind, let's get to this interview. Hey, crack fans. 
Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Cracked Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Joining us on the podcast once again today is a returning champion here on our Crack Racket shows, the coach with the second most appearances on the Cracked Interviews podcast of any coach in Division One tennis. Of course, a man you all know best as the head coach of the Baylor men's tennis team. It's our friend, Coach Michael Woodson. Coach, welcome back to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me as always. It's, uh, it's good to be back. It's been, uh, it's been a, what, a week? Yeah, I was gonna say it's been a full ten days since we last had you on the show, so I feel you know like I'm missing out. Something obviously has had to have happened uh, over that course of time, and certainly it did as the Bears advanced to another round of sixteen. This time uh, with a tight fought, uh, I believe what four two victory over Texas A and M. And you know, again, let's just start right away with that match. You know, we. Coming into it, we said here at Cracked Rackets, that Texas A&M team, sneaky deep, right? It's that they may not be the strongest up top, but you talk about six guys, one through six, who can all bring it on any given day. That's certainly what it felt like they did. What did you see from your team in the end that allowed them to survive in advance? Yeah, I mean, I have to give a ton of credit to, to Steve and his boys. I mean, I, I thought that they did a great job of, of competing uh, they, you know, there wasn't any point where I felt like once the single started that they lacked belief that they could win, uh, you know, and, and there, there's a lot to be said for that. You know, these margins are very small at the top and, you know, teams like the, the Aggies can, can beat you on, on a day for sure. And, you know, I thought we did a great job of, of kind of punching them in the mouth and the doubles. Um, we were really sharp and ready to go. And, I thought that was, you know, very impressive by our guys. Um, but, you know, we were a little passive in the singles and we could have gone one of two directions and, and the Aggies dug their heels in and, and went nowhere fast. Um, you know, I thought our guys just really handled the moment well at the end, uh, played some of their best tennis with their backs against the wall. And I think that's a mark of an experienced championship team. 
Uh, you know, we had some some results that were left to be desired, but uh, at the end of the day, anytime we can beat, you know, Texas A&M in the NCAA tournament, uh, we're having a good year and uh, really a ton of credit to our guys for lifting their levels when they absolutely needed to. Yeah, and you mentioned it there at the start, the doubles point and what you guys put together. 6-3 win at one, 6-2 win at two, you're up 5-1 at the number three spot as well. Dare I say... That felt like it might have been the best doubles point you guys have played all season. I want to get back to the singles momentarily, but how are you feeling about your doubles heading into the Sweet 16? I mean, I've, I feel good. Uh, you know, the guys have put in the work. They know how important the, the doubles point is. And just to feel sharp and, and comfortable with their partner and being able to execute, you know, those their best plays under pressure – is something that you know we've we've been very deliberate about this year, uh, especially in the middle of the season when it felt like we weren't doing a great job. Uh, we always knew we had good doubles players, but we didn't feel like we were doing a great job of putting it out on the match court, uh, regardless of the situation who we're playing. And you know, outside of Wampy and Monty, who have been kind of amazing all year, uh, it's been a work in progress, and it's been really nice to see all six guys uh, stepping up their games and, and, you know, I would say progressing at a very nice clip, uh, you know, and, and putting out their day in and day out. You know, we've been consistently solid in doubles over the last few weeks, and, and it feels like we're just getting better with each match. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it was a dominant performance for you guys against A&M. Then you alluded to it, you know, four matches go three sets in the singles portion against A&M. And one of the matches that doesn't go three sets is a match you guys lost at straight sets uh, at the number four spot. And we've talked about it on our show's freshman Julio Perego, as impressive of a freshman as you're going to find across the country. That said, I don't mean to take anything away from Texas A&M. Do you feel as though your guys blinked? after taking that doubles and the four first sets and that they did let their foot off the gas or again, was it just a credit to A&M for stepping up? Uh, I no, I think it was more credit to A&M. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I thought that they really played free. Uh, I think they probably learned a pretty strong lesson from the day before yeah. where they were, I mean, way, I felt like way ahead of Tulsa, uh, won the doubles, got ahead. It felt like on a lot of courts and they, they did end up losing, I think, three first sets, but there was a point where or maybe maybe they won four first sets, but they they were up at five and six and didn't close either of those matches and lost the sets, and then it got very close from there, and then they ended up clinching seven, six, and the third over Tulsa when it, it felt like that match almost was going to take an hour and 45 minutes at one point. <laughs> and so, you know, credit to Tulsa for, for not backing down, and then – I, I thought AM did the same thing against us. You know, they they were they didn't want to to have what happened the day before, uh, you know, uh, happen to them again. And uh, they battled from start to finish in the singles. I, and I, sure, could we have played a little bit better? You know, was it a little quiet maybe at the beginning? Uh, you know, from our players, I thought the crowd was excellent, but on and off the court, maybe a slight bit of complacency, but. You know, whatever crack in the window that we opened, I mean, they came storming through it. And uh, credit to those guys. They pushed us. And, I mean, they had, you know, a break up in the sense that they needed to win the match. So, uh, they, they were right there. And it, it was at that point that I felt like we buckled down and, and our level rose drastically, which, you know, I have to give credit to our guys. But, but no, a and was ready to go. They left it all out there and uh, certainly could have won that match. 
Yeah, and, you know, again, 4-2 victory, clinched at the number one spot by Adrian Boyton. And, look, Adrian's 18-1 and this season. Was that his first clinch, though, this year? Like, I feel like it might have been. Oof, that's a good question. Uh, it, it, he's clinched so many matches over the years <laughs> that yeah. they kind of bleed together. But off the top of my head, I can't think of one that he clinched this year. Maybe Arizona State? Like, that was the one I'm thinking, or one of the Arizona, like, when you were out there? Sven clinched that. Yeah, you're right. Sven clinched yeah. that match. So, you know, I, I think we he may have clinched one that we played out afterwards or something like that. Uh, but I, I don't remember the match stopping on his, his play. Last year, I felt like it was every match. Well, that's – that's why I bring that's why I bring that up because you think about Adrian over the times uh, you know of, through his career the Big Twelves back in 2019 or Big Twelve I mean again just the Big Twelve tournaments usually where Adrian clinches um, but for him to get the clinch at the number one spot propel your team to the Sweet 16 I mean obviously it took others as well. I did feel like though that was one Adrian needed, like just to just to see that, to, just to visualize that, and of course the match is only going to get tougher at that number one spot for him. How valuable is that clinch for Adrian? What did you see from him to earn that three set victory? Yeah, you know, I, I he's been, um, you, you know, I think the getting the monkey off his back of having lost a match, I think was really really good for him, and mm-hmm. and it has given our the rest of our guys a lot of confidence that they can get the job done with without him at times uh but then after that you want to get that first win again to start start a new streak and you know he didn't he didn't finish against Abilene though he played quite well uh you know it was a tough physical match in difficult conditions and I, I thought Noah played great you know I mean Noah Noah did an excellent job uh coming playing from behind and playing when the match was even. Uh, and I thought, you know, he, he maybe blinked a little bit when he got ahead a couple times, and Adrian was able to seize that moment. Uh, but it was just a high-level match pretty much everywhere. You know, I mean, Roth played excellent at number two against Matias, some unbelievable points. And, and the guy that's been clinching all the matches this year was Sven, I, you know, and uh, – that, that, that match was, you know, Guido's, I think, the highest UTR on their team by a good margin now. And I thought that he's been competing really well. So that was a high-level match. And, and then Teddy played, you know, maybe their best point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and Luke Casper. Yeah, and that was going to be my follow-up uh, on Sven. When did Sven become a grinder? When did that happen? Whenever I walk onto the court. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, you know, Sven's doing a great job and he, he just has so many different ways that he can meet you. It's just trying to figure out which one he wants to use on the day. Uh, you know, but he has a very solid game to, to play under pressure, mm-hmm. you know, because it's really hard to overpower him. It's really hard to blow him off the court and, uh, you know, but he can do it to you. So it's a matter of where are we at on the day? What are the conditions like? What, kind of what game style does he need in that moment uh, to expose you? And I feel like that's where he's had a ton of success this year in big moments is that he can beat you so many different ways. It's just about finding the right one, um, you know, under pressure. 
Yeah, no, I mean, again, it felt like he, and you look at where things were at the time, uh, obviously the match stopped. Sven, I believe, what, up 4-3, I want to say, in the third set. That said, you, you started to mention Teddy, who's now 14-2 and overall uh, on the season and 8-1 and in his last 10. And obviously, he was the Big 12 tournament MVP as well. I mean, Casper for A&M's is tough of a of a test as you're going to get from anyone, right, throughout the course of the, of the tournament at that number five spot. What clicked for Teddy in sets two and three that perhaps may not have been set number one? You know, I, I, I didn't see a ton of it until the end where he was playing quite well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think for him, he, he was struggling trying to play a certain level uh, and, and having just high expectations for himself. And, and once he settled in as a competitor, I think he did well. You know, he, he came back in the first set. He had opportunities to break and serve it out, and he didn't. Uh, but then after the first set, you know, he was struggling to hold serve and they were breaking each other, you know, back and forth. And uh, once he started uh, to figure out his serve games, uh, then he was creating lots of opportunities for himself and uh, was able to create some distance, you know, in the in the second set. And of course, he got down a break early in the third, but, you know, broke, uh, I think, three times after that. Uh, and, and was able to hold out from there. So it was a, it was a really good performance, uh, you know, against against another high-level player. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, again, another good win for Teddy, who's clearly clicking on all cylinders. And with that in mind, I want to get into some of the form questions. I want to ask all of you coaches as we prepare for the NCAA Tournament Sweet 16. If you were to name a team MVP for the Baylor Bears this season, who would you pick, Coach Woodson? I think it's probably Wampy. Right, um, and I'm good, and I'm going to say that because I don't think anybody's ever going to talk about the poor kid. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's he he just handles his business. You know, it's it's like it's so routine that we didn't even just mention his name here, uh, talking about this match. And it's not easy to go out there day in and day out and and get everybody's best effort. Um, and that's that's what he's doing. Uh, you know, and and the scores show uh, an incredible level of consistency. And, uh, you know, so and it's not just in the singles, the guy, I mean, their doubles record is absolutely absurd between the 21 and five for what it's worth to to work their way up to top 10 in the country and and playing number two doubles. They have not played one doubles once this entire year. And to do that is almost unheard of. Uh, It really means that they're beating every good team that they play. And uh, so credit to to Wompy. I mean, the guy just puts up W's for the Bears. Uh, uh, and he does it his best is under pressure. He's clinched a couple four threes for us. And uh, it's been just, you know, he's like a silent assassin. Yeah, so no. I have to give him the nod. The lefties, 25-3 and three overall in singles, 21-5 and five overall in doubles. Yeah, in terms of individual wins on the season, his 46 the most for the Baylor Bears. So can certainly understand that uh, – selection and you mentioned it I mean it was what for him two and two over Abrett like I mean do you are the guys like we talk about the confidence you get from Boyton up top I feel like you can get that same sort of confidence at least from the guys who are watching closely from Mizuchi at the bottom as well you're like yep just put it on the board we're up 1-0 I mean there's there's definitely something to be said for having uh, a complete team where you yeah. know you can win in all nine positions and yeah. that's been our focus is how do we get to that that point where we have uh, you know an opportunity maybe even a slight favor in all nine positions and and I, I really think that we're we're putting a team out on the court that has a good chance to win at every spot and that's 
that takes a lot of pressure off the guys um, when it matters the most. I think you saw that the other night. I think those same three guys were out there against Texas at the end of the match in the Big 12 tournament, and they were not in winning positions, you know, then either. But when they look around and think, oh, well, Adrian's going to win, or oh, well, Sven's going to play well in this moment. Uh, oh, Teddy, you know, Teddy doesn't miss a ball under pressure. Then, uh, you know, it, it it frees the other guys up to to play some some of their best tennis. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, let's do the flip side. We know who's extraordinarily valuable. Who's the most improved member of the Baylor team this year? I would say Finn. Okay. Um, you know, I I think. Finn, you know, Finn played a very, very important role for our team last year. And I mean, he was, you know, tournament team doubles. They went six and zero in the NCAAs, him and Charlie. And and I think Charlie would agree that Finn led that team. Uh, you know, Charlie is a heck of a player, as you're seeing um, at the next level. But I thought Finn emotionally um, and with his level led that team last year at the, at the bottom of the doubles lineup. But three doubles and one doubles are two very different things. And uh, the way that he has uh, stuck with Sven and helped lift Sven's level on the doubles court. And then, you know, really brought that confident uh, composure and competitiveness to the singles court for us is exactly what we needed this year. And, and he, he legitimately delivers when we need it. Um, I know he's had a few losses this year. He lost the other night, but uh, you know, when, when the light shine the brightest, Finn is going to deliver. Uh, okay. And that's, that's a thing that, you know, our team does need in the absence of, you know, some of the other guys that were so consistent last year. Yeah, uh, And so yeah. I, I feel like he's filled a, a, a huge void for us, um, you know, in stacks and, and Charlie and Spencer that, uh, was necessary. So I have to give him the nod. I mean, he has come a long way. No, very quietly, 24 and four at five as a team, 27 and four at six. Like, yeah, Spencer, Nick, you guys weren't that good. So like, yeah, I, I, I would agree. You know, I'd say it to their face. Um, obviously a bit facetious there as they were excellent. But, you know, again, with that in mind, the goal of these interviews, I want to introduce all these teams, all of these coaches, of course, our Crack Records fans will be familiar with you guys, but just some broader questions here about your season. 28 and three overall the best victory you guys earned this year what was it oh geez um i mean i think the the most exciting match we've been a part of was the big 12 championship match sure. um you know I, I i think the one that we needed the most was when we beat tcu the first time uh on on the road there as well uh, i think we needed that match um a lot of people were starting to doubt us we've been on the road for a really long time and we delivered in a big way i felt like um but the most exciting college tennis match we've been a part of was was the final uh of the big 12 tournament yeah no i mean no doubt about that and i talked to coach roditi earlier today he also pointed out that one and said man we had the perfect environment we had the crowd we had the people and then Baylor popped our balloon and just came and beat us and like yeah again he's like yeah it was a perfect environment Soto just played lights out and we talked about it in the moment but I want to really emphasize this because as you mentioned you guys go to TCU twice this season earn victories talk to me about that Soto Aguilar third set I've now sniffed around and I've asked as many people as humanly possible and like just everyone you ask, they say, A, you know, 6-4 in the breaker, the hand going up. That's moment number one. But B, they just say third set, you know, Mati did not lose, uh, did not lose, like, a, didn't make an error. Like, he was just on fire. Yeah, I mean, I, I 
you know, when Matias sets, sets his mind to something, um, you, you got to move out of the way and just let him do it. Uh, you know, I don't think that it was he would have lost had he have uh, not had the controversy over his hands being up at 6-4 in the breaker. Uh, you know, I, I, I think he was motivated to, to win that anyways. Sure. It did give him a little bit of a fire probably to start the second set fast, which mm-hmm. I do think helped. Um, you know, but the, the real, that, that match deserved three sets, I think, because both guys were playing at a pretty high level outdoors anyways. Um, but the, the, the level that he brought inside, I mean, when he gave the double fist pump after this short four in winter, he hit the first point on Aguilar serve. I thought it's over. I mean, he's not going to lose. And he, he won 16 out of 17 points on his own serve. The, the set was maybe 25 minutes long and it was, it was unbelievable. Uh, he, he, it, he, no one was beating him in there. It was nothing against Carlos. Like he fought hard. He did everything he could. You could throw anybody out there and Mati was going to win by two breaks. Yeah. No, I, it just sounds like it was one of those matches. And again, Mati and Sven, it's their last go round. And these are guys who have done, you know, won a lot of matches and, you know, play, you know, worn these Baylor green for quite a bit of time now. Are, is, I mean, again, you were around a group last year that made the NCAA finals and made the national indoor finals. And certainly it felt like, despite all the success you guys have had this season, it felt like last year's group maybe was the more heralded group of the two. That said, as you look at this group, do you feel as though you have all of the pieces that you are playing as well going into this round of 16 that perhaps you were last year? And we saw the success that that led to. I, you know, I, I do because he had um, a recipe to get to four that was pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year's team isn't that way. And I would say that that's a benefit for these guys in that they know we can get to four in a lot of different ways. Sure. Uh, and last year's team, it was like the same three guys finished the match first every time. And not to say that the other guys couldn't have finished, uh, but, you know, we we just have a lot. All of the guys are stepping up this year more than we had last year. Um, again, I mean, you can yeah, you can make great arguments that both teams are exceptional uh, and uh, really, you know, I don't know which one is actually better. I don't know who would win if they played each other, uh, but they this year's team is is seeing all of the six guys that are playing step up. I mean, every single one of them contributed to the victory the other night. Uh, that's a mark of a championship team. That's a mark of a team that that believes in each other and and has the pieces because you just can't you're not going to win it with a hole. It doesn't matter how small the hole is. You're just not going to do it. Um, so, you know, I, that's what makes me feel confident in this group going going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And with that in mind, again, moving forward, you guys are going to play host uh, this weekend for the Super Regional as I believe Stanford's coming to town after Stanford knocks off Harvard. And, you know, with that in mind, I'm curious. I know we've talked about this before, but Super Regional, Sweet 16, everyone at one site. Which does Coach Woodson prefer? I mean, I don't even think it's close. Uh, you know, I, I mean, to me, the Super Regional is unbelievable. I mean, the atmosphere the other night against Texas A&M was amazing. It, it was awesome. It was so exciting. And I, I understand I'm saying that we're the home team, but I, I think you would you would hear the same thing from Texas A&M. Playing in, a, in, a, in an environment where the crowd is into it, under the lights. I mean, it's, it's something about a night session, prime time. 
you know, that's, that's really special. And I think we need more of that. You know, the, the opportunity to play a Friday night, 6 PM under the lights against Stanford, you know, we're, we may have 3000 people out there and, and that's our goal um, on Friday night is to fill, fill the herd up. Um, and I think that these are the opportunities for us to market our great product and we need to all get on board to, to push the, you know, push the envelope as far as we can, you know, to really see what we can do with this, um, with this product that we have in these rare opportunities to expose as many fans of college sports as possible. Do you think and the road team plays better in that environment versus, say, the 9 a.m. neutral match that's on the upper courts of Georgia, where it's just like, with all due respect to Athens, like, you know, there's 12 people in the crowd and it happens to be the sets of parents for the six people playing on court. Like that to me is the fundamental difference, right? Is it's just like those 9 a.m. or the late 9 p.m. matches, you're just never going to get a good environment. No, I mean, the reason that I feel so strongly about this environment and we we have fortunately enough been able to host these a couple of times. So maybe I feel differently if we have to go to Stanford and play. But I I don't think so, because I think the guys deserve to play in a great environment, whether they're rooting for us or against us. But in my first year here at Baylor, 2000, I can't see it's just it's it's not good for our sport. Um, you know, that match should be played in this case, it would have been in Waco, but even in Austin, I mean, that's what the guys get up for. That's why they come to college. That's what the fans want to see. We need to deliver. Um, and so I think this is an opportunity for all of us hosts, the eight men and the eight women's hosts to put on an, an exceptional atmosphere for one of the best and biggest matches of the college season. Uh, and then hopefully that will drive uh, attendance up for the regular season next year. Mm-hmm. True or false, when you saw Tennessee was the sixth seed, and I know they got to get there first, as do you, smile on your face. That Because uh, to me, Baylor-Tennessee might be the best rivalry in college tennis no one talks about. Uh, well, yeah, definitely nobody talks about it. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, I mean, we, listen, we had a lot of fun uh, last year in the semis, and, you know, I, I we had a lot of fun this year uh, playing in the semis of national indoors. Um, you know, it's just a fiery group of guys over there that, that compete, uh, you know, compete their tails off. And, and we love that. We love a good battle. And so, yeah, I mean, listen, if we're talking about playing against Tennessee, then obviously we had a great week ahead we're not going to look past it. But uh, if you told me we were playing Tennessee next week, then I'm all for it. Yeah. I refuse to accept as an answer that when that draw came out, you didn't smile because come on. Yeah, it's again. It's it may be the different burnt orange than you expected, but that's probably my favorite rivalry right now in all of college tennis. All right, as we look towards the Sweet Sixteen again, you guys are taking on a Stanford team. You know some of those faces. You've seen them around the college tennis block for a while now. Biggest concern isn't the way I want to frame it because I know all of you coaches, concern is not the right word to describe where you're at right now. But for you guys to get where you want to go, to advance past Stanford this weekend, you know, keep advancing in the NCAA tournament, what do you need to see from your team? Well, I think, I think we're going to have to, to take it up a, a level competitively. Um, you know, I think there just needs to be more of a sense of urgency than we had this past weekend. Um, you know, I think – we were forced into it, 
but I, I don't want to be forced into it this time. Yeah, I want sure. our guys to make that decision that, uh, you know, Texas A&M brought out our best tennis at the end of the match. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to get it done with against Stanford if, if we do the same. And, and so we're going to have to be ready to go from the beginning. And it's going to be a, a dogfight for probably four hours. And we just need to be ready to go. You have a match calculus for me? <laughs> uh, get to get to four. Yeah, get to four. Survive in advance. Yeah, that's that's fair. I will accept that answer from you. Um, no, again, I mean, looking at your team and how you guys have competed, obviously, uh, number three seeds for a reason. A couple random ones, and then I'll let you go. Let's just say hypothetically, and I'm not drawing any comparisons to any other schools. This is just a random allegory. But hypothetically, Adrian Boyton says, Coach Woodson, I'm going pro. I'd like you to come with me on tour. Are you saying yes to that? <laughs> oh, It was a surprising. I didn't see that one coming. Uh, you know, I listen, I love Adrian, you know, with every bit as much as I do all my other guys. And, and uh, I know that he's going to have a very successful career at the next level um, when the time is right after he graduates. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, he, you know, that's that's not my calling. Uh, yeah, you know, I think and, and I don't think that that's the best way to use my talents uh, I think he'll do he'll be able to find a better person to work with him than me uh, and I will support him from Waco Texas uh, throughout his entire career yeah I like that George told me to ask that question just to see if there's going to be an opening for him up top um, no uh, no obviously yeah exactly with all that said and you know how many guys did you get? So Adrian got into the singles. I assume Mati got into the singles as well. And you guys got what? Two doubles teams into the doubles? He also got into the singles. Oh, beautiful. Love that. So again, you guys, you, you have a lot of tennis left to be played over these next three weeks. What? Again, I know I asked this. And, and to but, be honest, I feel like that helps us. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think it, it really helps us in that we have all, all six guys that are yeah. currently playing. Uh, also have individuals coming up in, in some capacity. And so I think that eases the pressures of competing uh, right now. They know that there's still something left. Mm-hmm. That just takes it takes that pressure off just a little bit more so they can swing freely. Yeah, and with that in mind, my last question for you, what did you learn from last year's run, which, by the way, another reminder, NCAA finals, national indoor finals, in your first year on the job last season, what did you learn from last year's run that you think can best prepare your team for success this season? Trust the guys, uh, trust the guys, you know, back them under pressure, uh, you know, be, be willing to give them exactly what they need and, and live with the result. Uh, and it's, it's way more fun that way. I think if, if we try to control things too much, it's, uh, they're already, they already want to win so badly that adding more, you know, desire and fire to them uh, is is not going to really go well. And so, you know, I think our job is done here as coaches. We just sit back and enjoy. And and honestly, it was the same uh, this past weekend. You know, the guys stepped up uh, all credit to them when they needed it. Uh, you know, they're they're an experienced group and and uh, I believe in them more than I believe in myself to get the job done. So there's nothing that we can do to help them at that point. I love to hear that. Does is T-Rex on the Baylor payroll? Like, is it just like when you're booking the flight to Champagne, you also book him a seat? Uh, unfortunately, he has uh, bigger and better 
into than to be on our payroll. But uh, he is a, a you know wonderfully uh, uh, you know enthusiastic fan. You know, as are a lot of uh, of our Baylor tennis fans and just Baylor athletics in general. That we we the guys appreciate the sport. They love to play in front of people that are as passionate about uh, what they're doing as as they are. So uh, it's uh, yeah, we're very fortunate to have people like Travis that um, you know love love the game and love Baylor and love our student athletes. Yeah, no, I mean, again, and watching you guys compete from afar, seeing those special home environments at Herd, it's uh, it's been really fun for us to enjoy. And obviously, again, twenty eight and three overall, I think. We all know what the Bears are capable of accomplishing here in this postseason run. And so, uh, obviously, wishing you and the team success, not only this weekend, but uh, looking forward to seeing you all in Champaign as well. So, Coach Woodson, always a pleasure to get the chance to chat. Be safe. Be healthy. I'm sure we will talk more soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Yeah, of course. Take care, Coach. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with another head coach of a Sweet 16-bound college tennis team. A huge thank you both to this coach and every coach for taking the time to chat with us here at Cracked Rackets. Again, trying to set the scene for all of you listeners down the 2022 college tennis season's home stretch. I've been immensely flattered by the reception we have gotten from all of these coaches who are so willing to participate in this exercise. And again, try to set the scene. For all of you listeners, try to make sure you maximize your enjoyment through these final few weeks of the college tennis season. The plan here is to interview all 32 remaining head coaches. Now, it's only a success if we hit all 32. So I promise you, listeners, that will be our goal, as that is what we were able to accomplish last season. Again, you can find all of those podcasts here on this feed. You can find them on our website, crackrackets.com. A shout out, as always, to super producer Daniel Westoff on the ones and twos. He has a f- of an editing job to do this week, makes all of this content possible. So shout out to him. Shout out to our friends at Swing Vision as well. Again, learn more about the Swing Vision app by clicking on the link in the description to this show. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. We'll talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.